Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio. Mike, I see you've set out the uh, the Christmas candles in here. Yep. The uh, We get uh, Christmas candles for especially the outside windows of the uh, the campus buildings. And so uh, they're, what do you call them, electric or whatever. Yep. So they're not fire hazards so far as I know. And Mike has dutifully put out two, so we are... Liturgically, we're not really... No, no, but they'll get me started. But, uh, but Mike's been a good good player, good uh, teammate um, with the college. So, I am feeling in the Christmas mood no matter what time of year it is now. And we are going to be continuing today in uh, what may or may not be a series, but <clears throat> we're going to be continuing on the list of things I came up with to talk about if Mike ever let me come back on his podcast. And I... Uh, Appreciate that he has done so. This is the third now we're recording, and uh, Peter has gotten how many out? Zero. Zero out. Um, so uh, they'll be coming out at some point. I would look for them maybe in Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, you think that quick? I think we'll get one. I was or thinking two. Easter. <laughs> um, but we have as part of this just to refresh your memory if you have listened, and if you haven't listened, just to to kind of keep you in the in the loop um so far we have talked about i have 11 of these i came up with and uh we've talked about one and two one was we're not liberals anymore and we should be and the contrast mike there was again between what liberal, not liberal and conservative but liberal and illiberal yeah so that's not um although it's a great title because it'll already get people upset it's clickbait clickbait right but um it's not liberal versus conservative there and then two We've forgotten history or never learned it. And then three, um, this is one that's particularly interesting to me and may or may not be interesting to uh, Mike. But uh, three is partisanship is hardly new and media partisanship is hardly new, but it has been exacerbated with technology. And uh, four, we might get some into today. Mike suggested we might bleed over into it. So just in case, I'll give it. And uh, if we don't get into it, then it'll be kind of our standalone for next time. And that is information overload has led to soundbite engagement with important issues and with other people. So kind of having set the stage that way, we have a lot of free-for-all ideas. Unfortunately, Mike will not approve some of them. Um, we also kind of would like to wait till we have Peter or Ben, and or even better, Peter and Ben, to get back into the free-for-alls. But I think we'll skip the free-for-all today. Does that sound Sounds good. Right or fair. Um, before we get into the, the stuff you'll share with us here, Mike, uh, just a couple things. I would like to commend you on your outfit today. Um, I had chapel, and I was extremely uh, impressed when Mike came in looking quite dashing. Um, I would say almost a Johnston look. Um, a T-shirt, yes. Oh, I had like a... With a uh, Columbia fleece pullover. Mm-hmm. And is, are those blue jeans? No, they're just like... I don't know, just regular pants. Just regular pants. And uh, so I think Mike is trending the right way. Um, I, finally, he's starting to and you, to learn from me. And you had chapel today, and you were barely better dressed than I was today. I had a button-down <laughs> dress shirt with new jeans, Wranglers, <laughs> and uh, with a WLC yeah. fleece pullover. Super classy. It was, and I preached on Habakkuk, and I don't think I said anything wrong. No, you so, didn't. It was good. Well, thank you. Um, we uh, are part of the 1517 podcast network, and we're trying to get back to carrying some of our weight there as we're recording. Um, hopefully, we'll have uh, stuff popping out here pretty quick um, with the production. But uh, I don't want to say anything too much about production because you know what they'll tell me is that I know how to do it and I should just do it. Mm-hmm. But I feel that's not a proper division of labor. Mm-hmm. So um, did you know, though, that 1517 has over 300 videos on YouTube? Uh, today you can find videos from the 2020 Here We Still Stand Freedom of the Christian live stream um, featuring 16 hours of conversations, excuse me, trying not to sneeze in here, centered around Christ for you. Uh, from conference talks to weekly video casts, you can find it all in one place. And stay up to date by subscribing today. Search 1517 on YouTube 
or follow the link in the show notes. Um, there's other stuff happening with 1517 pretty soon. My dear friend Michael is going to be going to the great state of Texas. It is still part of the union, isn't it? Yeah, and thankfully it's a red state still that was closer. Uh, it was close, closer than usual, but it's a red state, so they don't have COVID-19, so I'm fine traveling. Yeah, so, uh, so Mike will be going, and he will be recording a video series on vocation, and there's going to be a good reason for him to do that. Um, just as a side note, I some of you know I've been really trying to give Mike input on his outfits for these videos, and I think what you are wearing today is a step in the right direction, Michael. So <laughs> I would encourage you um, with that. Um, I do think uh, I also have uh, some fine beard oil. Nicholas's uh, girlfriend's father um, is a purveyor of oh, really? quite fine beard oil. I'll have to get you some sometime. I do have some that I haven't used. A good St. Jacoby's family, and yeah. uh, it uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. You want me to go like full Bill Belichick outfit for? It could be. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I don't I'm think. Not, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but um, Mike will be recording those videos on vocation because he has a book coming out on vocation, uh, which you can now pre-order on Amazon. And he is privileged to have an introduction by Raleigh Sadler um, from Let My People Go, who was on a previous episode of this podcast. And so I look forward to that as well. So go pre-order. They keep talking about this Obama book is selling like crazy, this memoir, uh, possibly setting records. And I feel bad for our former president because those records are only going to stand until when does your book come out, Michael? In April. In April. So search Michael Berg, Vocation, on Amazon. and uh, I assume that my release date was pushed off so we wouldn't compete with... I, I imagine the two publishers were talking about... Probably this coordination, dates, yeah. So, yeah. Um, like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. So I didn't, get, I didn't get the, you know, the pre-Christmas rush. But he, he was president, so right. fine. But you'll show him. You're going to show him. <laughs> because people are going to be buying Easter books. There will be, I tell you what, I bet you we sell dozens. Oh, I, at least. At least a dozen. I bet even a, uh, I would a say, gross. I would say. I don't even know what a gross is, but. Is that 144? Well, then I bet it's at least. Yeah. I'm going to say you might sell multiple grosses. <laughs> What's the plural of gross? Grosses, I would assume. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be like a German ending? Well, what would be the plural? Of the, sometimes ES is an ending for... Right. That's what I'm saying. You're the German guy. What is the... Is there like a, I don't um, know. I'm going to stop plugging your book then. I, I heard it's so. crappy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you can go pre-order that. Um, we are recording today, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, our last day of in-person classes at Wisconsin Lutheran College. We will be virtual for the week after Thanksgiving and then virtual for finals week. And we give thanks to God... Uh, we made it. This was the plan all along to make it to Thanksgiving. We lost a few breaks between here and Thanksgiving to make that happen. And uh, now we will be virtual. And uh, I thank the college staff and the faculty and the students and everyone who put in the effort. Um, I, I know as a teacher, I'm very happy that we were able to make that work. And now our students will, I'm sure, go home and not go to Thanksgiving super spreader events. Or, uh, but if they do, they won't be back for a while. <laughs> right. But, uh, uh, but I am thankful for that. Uh, Michael, is there anything we should, we should say so we don't get sued, I suppose, before we get into the main topic? I'll try to come up with something. Okay. Let's see what you come up with. Uh, this show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because well as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
And that brings us to our main topic, which is partisanship in the media. I don't think we gave that that title of our series, which is Why America is Losing Its Mind. Yeah. And point three is partisanship is hardly new and media partisanship is hardly new, but it has been exasperated with technology. Exacerbated. Exacerbated, sorry. The uh, And Mike wants a subheading of Why America is Losing Its Mind to be did it ever have one? <laughs> Did we right? ever have one? <laughs> right. So um, I guess maybe if I can frame a couple things as we get into the discussion. Um, first, maybe, Mike, if we could talk just a little bit about objectivity and try to avoid the pitfalls of modernity and postmodernity on this one, right? Because there are debates um, and have been for quite some time and really throughout hi- human history about um, what is objective what can be objective? Can really anything be objective? And, and what does, um, you know, the, the, the reader, the viewer, what do they bring into the, the learner, right? What do they bring into the process? And so maybe if we could just start off by talking a little bit about objective and subjective. In the uh, ethics course I teach here, when we go through the classical philosophers, I have a spectrum I put on the board, and we I have the students kind of suggest where they would plot the people on the 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 um on the the spectrum of objectivity to subjectivity and there we're talking of course in in morality um but uh i'm guessing that this is something you use in apologetics and worship too sometimes when you talk about um something being objective or subjective i know you've used illustrations um in presentations before that i've heard you use but maybe i'll throw it to you first mike because i think i'll intro the partisan aspect but how would you, just for our listeners, I'm, I'm assuming most know, but when you hear those terms, objective, subjective, how would you kind of explain what we mean by those? Yeah, so uh, I like to think a lot of times in location, right? Where, where's, where are things located? So is the, the truth, um, sometimes we think about a beauty, uh, which is related, or morality, is it located in me or outside of me i can sometimes i can be helpful so um if i'm looking at this pen the reality of this pen is located outside of me rather than inside of but me. you could change that right i don't recommend it <laughs> and um we fully admit and this is maybe one of the problems of modernity where i'm i'm not not so i'm not the guy that freaks out because we're going into something else. But one of the problems is to be absolute about everything, right? Um, I, I don't think we can deny that the speaker brings something to his speech and the hearer brings something to the hearing of that speech, right? And even language itself, uh, uh, Peter will say it's an approximation, right? So, um, I'm not saying the, the, the three letters P E N equals this pen. Right. And so we fully admit that there are issues in a fallen world, especially about getting to objective truth. And if you don't think that's true, um, well, you're not being very objective (laughs) right? right? about the reality of what's going on in apologetics this question comes up, of course, then, you know, how do we even know anything at all? And I would argue you don't know anything with absolute certainty um, because I can always be a sophist. I can always say that this, you know, this, we're just in the, in the mind of uh, the imagination of some big mind, a Truman show or whatever like that. But we don't live our daily lives like that. And if you were, if you were going to actually be a relativist, um, yeah, your life would look a lot different. If you actually believe that there was no objective truth, you would never get out of bed in the morning because how do you know you're going to step on a floor or it's just going to, you're just going to fall. Lava. Could be lava. Um, so there, there's, there's just practically, we are able to function as human beings. And when it comes to big theories, big, maybe more obscure issues, um, where we get a lot of opinions such as politics and stuff like that. We try to use our basic, how we basically go around in our day to day life. And the one thing to think about is I don't need certainty, 
but that's okay because I go by probability. What's the probability that if I step on my bedroom floor that I'm going to get sucked into a vacuum? It has gotten lower as I've gotten older. Now, if you would have asked me that when I was younger, right. especially the lava thing. Yeah. There was a lot of times we were concerned it was lava. Or like a sinkhole, like happens in Florida all the time, yeah. right? So, um, and what's, what's beautiful in apologetics, what's beautiful, we, we'll say, listen, when we're doing apologetics and talk about evangelism in general... We're doing notitia, knowledge type faith, or a census maybe agreement type faith. But the trust, the fiducia has to come from the spirit. And then you look at Hebrews and you see what a gift God gives us. You can be certain of what you do not see. And so I can be certain in my faith because that's a gift of God. My, my lack of perspective, my lack of knowledge, the fact that I'm finite and not infinite, uh, and, and double all of that because I'm sinful, certainly means that I bring prejudices to everything and everybody brings prejudices to their points of view, but not all is lost. And uh, so I, I think we can reach objectivity to, and, and uh, to uh, a, a re beyond a reasonable doubt to a moral certainty is the whole line there, to a moral certainty that I, I, I'll stake something on this, that there's a table here, right? Um, now I'll stake something on that. Uh, I think it's good for the United States blop, you know, fill in the blanks. Right. So when it comes to media, of course, you, you as a listener absolutely should be, uh, aware that there are prejudices from the, that are implicit, explicit, um, on that continuum. And that you have them right too. on behalf of both the you one reporting and the one watching. So the question becomes then, um, what are some tactics? What are some ways to help us overcome that as much as we much as we can? And I, you know, you've already mentioned that different opinions about like different newspapers in different towns. It is actually engaging with um, a variety of publications. Yeah. So maybe you want to go down that yeah, road. And yeah, and so there, I think, so if we think objective, subjective, and I think it's really helpful how, um, like Mike says, uh, is it located outside of me or inside me? Um, I think if we think of it as, is the truth in the object or in the subject, me being the subject, the I? So, uh, you know, I usually tell students, math people often think of as being pretty objective. Poetry may be more subjective. But even in poetry, um, there's a lot of people who would argue that there's rather objective ways to measure what is good or bad poetry. It's not just completely uh, subjective. And so that would be a good uh, episode, by the way, Objectivity in the Humanities. Mm -hmm. We could get some colleagues on. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, we, I use the example of beauty. I think beauty is objective, and, and it's tied to morality more than we perhaps like to admit, but yeah. And so... Um, Mike mentioned my example that I have on the sheet there of newspapers, and maybe I can just begin with that. Wherever you live, if you can think back, or wherever you grew up, you think back, um, there was a time where there were multiple newspapers, big newspapers, serving that city or that county or that state. Um, examples that come to mind for me would be, for instance, the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press, because I grew up with those, I delivered um, those uh, Eventually, they've somewhat merged, and so like the weekend editions are now jointly put and out. Owned by the same company for right. a long time. Yeah. Yep. In Milwaukee, you had the Journal, you had the Sentinel. Uh, in, in the Twin Cities, the Star, I'm guessing, and the Tribune. Tribune. St. Louis, Post, Dispatch. And Dispatch, yeah. yeah. And so uh, the, it wasn't that, that these papers were all subjective, um, that they didn't try to seek after objective uh detail, truth in their reporting, but there definitely was a slant, a recognized slant to what was presented, and then also differences in their editorial content, and I think we're going to have to remember to talk about in this one, Mike, the difference between um, news or news reporting and editorial content, because I think that's been lost uh, on many in our own day. But for instance, in Detroit, the Detroit News was the more um, Republican I would say, paper. Never hyper-conservative, um, but when it came time for endorsements, for instance, for political candidates, 
it was likely that the Detroit News was going to endorse the Republican candidate. The free press uh, then was going to be the more Democrat-leaning um, paper. But they had a better sports section. You know, I, I really go back and forth on that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Wojo, but I will grant um, Mitch Album is probably the pinnacle of what you're going to get <laughs> in, in Detroit history. I don't know enough um, to know what which... Journal and Sentinel, which leaned which way in Milwaukee. Although I will say I've done some research. Um, I had a paper I did um, that looked at um, German newspapers and English newspapers at the end of the twentieth or at the end of the nineteenth century in uh, in Milwaukee, and there were abundance of them, and they all had different slants to things. <clears throat> but there was a recognition in that that while they were going to be striving for objective reporting. <clears throat> Uh, there is something too, uh, even before you write, what you choose to write on, right, displays some sort of bias mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and what you choose not to write on. And that's something maybe I will hopefully later in the episode we can talk about the importance of gatekeepers. Right. And and, yeah. and, and this is, I'm going to hit on a little now <clears throat> and then I'll throw it to you then, Michael. Um, but if we, uh, if we think of just the whole process... You have to choose what you're. What are you going to pick up from the wire? What are you going to choose to investigate locally? So there's the choosing of what will be reported on. There's then the organizing of that and the writing of what is being reported. And both of those, and how you arrange and how you report, there's room for what we could call bias. And and I don't mean bias there necessarily as a dirty word. I just mean you have human beings doing it. You then have. An editorial process where an editor may choose, does that make it through? Does it not? Should this be reworded? Um, does this need to be backed up more? Uh, where it then makes it to print. You then have bias in sales. People are going to buy the paper that they like the headlines of or that they appreciate the editorial content of or that they trust more for reporting. And then the readers, most people don't sit and read a, or didn't in the past sit and read an entire newspaper front to back. Um, they're going to, and here again is editorial bias, right? What's the front page? What's tucked on page 11? Um, but the reader is going to choose then what they read in that in that newspaper. So there's a lot of places for bias. Uh, and here maybe partisanship is a little harsh. Partisanship, though, I think is, is fair. Um, if you think back to the late 19th century and the early 20th century, I mean, it wasn't uncommon to have you know, kind of the the paper in town that represented the upper echelon, um, you know, kind of the waspy, um, old money type take to have the the poor, maybe even in German or Polish papers, often which would have a more socialist or or labor oriented stance um, to kind of have the middling type paper. Um, There was, you know, papers where there were uh, clear uh, agendas. Um, So this is not new. and it's, it's kind of always been a part of this. We did see in the middle of the 20th century this push to have kind of journalism as a profession. And I think this is also where a push to have journalists go to schools of journalism. Because for much of, of history, journalists were good writers who just, you know, learned how to investigate, run their beat. Many of our great novelists were also um, journalists, right? And... Uh, but this concern to be as objective, to be fair and balanced, as, as some bylines would, would say. Um, and part of that was possible because you only had a few network news channels in America. So you could have a few major anchors who needed to be careful, right, to, to walk the middle line. Um, and as they competed, you neither wanted to um, offend customers uh, who um, were going to watch the advertising or offend corporations who were going to be paying for the advertising. Um, so you had uh, a limited, a, a move already to a, a more corporate media. The newspapers, right, are starting to, <clears throat> you're seeing less of them and they're um, more, uh, they're larger amalgamations um, and less networks. And so you could get to what was maybe considered a bit of objectivity, but I would even point out there, um, one could hardly argue, for instance, um, let's take something from that time period like the Vietnam War, that Vietnam War coverage on the main network channels was objective. Well, someone in South Vietnam or North Vietnam might not agree. Um, they might say, well, it almost it almost only presented on 
American casualties or on American, um, uh, you know, strategies. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm not saying for or against Vietnam here, although I personally think Vietnam was a huge mess. But um, you could you could have um, clearly there was at that time a government restriction of what information was given to people about what was taking place in the in the war. Um, so even in something like that, what people consumed regarding what was happening in Vietnam was was highly um, curated before it ever made it there, right? If mm-hmm. that if that makes sense. And so here, Mike, maybe I'll, I'll throw it back to you a little bit, and you can talk about what you meant by gatekeeping, and you can, if you want, correct anything you think I said that was un, un, unfounded. Well, I've done some crack journalism of my own. Uh, there's this thing called Wikipedia, right? And uh, I've heard that's legacy media. Yeah, it didn't give uh, didn't give like a uh, the journal was this and the Sentinel was in Milwaukee, but the Sentinel was originally when it finally sort of got into you know becoming more partisan was a Whig newspaper. Really, and then quickly was Republican. Doesn't really talk much about the journal if the journal was as opposed to, it didn't say that it was opposed to the Sentinel. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, that really is the steer, the story of most newspapers in America. And, you know, so people will lament today, well, MSNBC seems to be the Democrat mm-hmm. news network and Fox, the concern. Well, in some ways that's a return yeah. to yeah. what was happening. But as we'll get to, I think in a more problematic way. Right. But. So I, I think you can see this actually going through, uh, through American history with a lot of things. I think you can see it with, Lutheran denominations and even uh, breweries that things started off and there's just, I mean, there's a brewery in every town. There's uh, every state practically has its own Lutheran whatever. And then there is going to be a conglomeration, right? And think of in the media, think of Hearst, right? And then, uh, you know, kind of uh, thing grouping together, buying off little, yeah. little um, newspapers that have trouble. Tanae Gannett or, you know, in the media world, Fox or what, anyway. And, um, and then I think you start to have a bit revolutions of a too strong of a word, but in brewing, think micro brewers as, you know, like there's only, there's only Bud Miller and Coors practically, you know, maybe you got like Pabst hanging on or whatever. And Miller and Coors are the same now. Now the same, you know. And so then there is all of a sudden an explosion of little things. We saw that in the Lutheran church where you finally had the ELCA after years of the ALC and the LCA kind of being two big uh, um, denominations within the Lutheran church. And then you actually have quite a few breakoffs to the point where there's like 30, I think, small Lutheran groups here and there and everywhere. And I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying we can trace the history about a lot of these things through uh, the late 19th and 20th century. Um, and to go, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but where this is going is that technology, and I've always said this, like technology is... It's not the be all and the end all. I think that's a mistake that we that we, that we make. Um, but it's gasoline on a fire, yep. um, and it can take something that already exists and make it better or worse. It can it can be wildfire and stuff like that. And we tend to say, we tend to blame technology for everything or uh, uh, put all of our hope in technology. But there's still you still have to have something to say, right? You can get a communications degree or an English degree or whatever. Um, and you may be the best speaker, writer, promoter, brander, advertiser, but you still need ha- have to have something to say. There's, you know, we talk about the branding of Luther and the long with the printing press and the art of the time or whatever, but that still doesn't work unless you had something that was there spiritually. I mean, non-physical kind of thing. Right. So, um, yeah, and maybe um, back to the idea that there that there was a healthy competition, and it was partisan, and it was obviously partisan. They didn't pretend like they weren't partisan on, on right. some level. Um, and so in some ways with the internet and the news, you have everybody can be an, a broadcaster. Anybody can put anything out there. And so you do have a breakdown of 
the control of media of media we can have a podcast yeah and in some we're just two adults and in some ways that can be extremely healthy right um but but we can't just leave the question we can't just say oh there was partisan then there was corporations and now there's a revolt and now it's more partisan and that's good because there's more to the story there are the gatekeepers there are literal FCC regulations that are made stricter or they're loosened or they're written out of the laws and that or they're extremely hard to apply with new technology yeah and so that that does affect how we can get to objective truth and so we talked about the beginning how do you overcome the inevitable bias of both the author and the reader both the speaker and the listener and one way is to have as many opinions as you possibly can. But you have to also judge, are those opinions grounded in truth? And so we can, I can appreciate, even though I probably lean a little bit towards small government, I can appreciate the fact that the government may have rules that says you can't just say something blatantly false. Right. Um, and I, I think, a side note there too is um, the F- and, the, and the you being not the individual. You still have free speech, but the you right. being if you're if you're presenting yourself, just like they can regulate a shoe a shoe manufacturer. Right. So um, if you are presenting yourself as broadcast journalism, right? right. That there that there's going to be there's going to be and and of course it gets complicated. That at some point something might become slander right. or and it certainly becomes complicated. Who owns the airwaves and the internet, you know, that gets complicated as well. So, um, right. You're right. Uh, free speech, right. Comes with responsibility as well. And, um, it's the age old question. How much do you rely on the integrity of the, of the industry? And, and I don't think, I personally don't think that, uh, the media in America as important as it is, um, in, in a society where you you have to have you have to have accountability to for you have to have accountability for government and corporations and the media is one of our best if our not best tool to hold those entities accountable how important that is I don't believe that the media has always lived up to that high calling right and I'm okay with partisan I'm okay with that what I'm not okay with is um, blatantly picking and choosing only stories that you want to talk about that that feeds into an agenda, or whatever that agenda may be. Abject disinformation. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, the gatekeeper is very important. It was, it's a, if we can, we can do this, it is, it is a sacred duty, right? If you're going to use that kind of language, it's a sacred duty the editor of the Washington Post or the Washington News. The, Which, in, the, and this is, and I think, and I'll let you keep going with it, but I think editors is something we don't think about enough. It's a dying field, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because of a lot of modern developments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's dying in a lot of different aspects of media. But I do think this is an important thing that's being lost. Yeah, so, you know, the, the editor of the Washington Post and the Washington News, which maybe want to be the last... New York and Washington maybe be one of the few cities where you do really do have a competition between between newspapers. Right. right? Although Bezos owns the post, so he'll probably <laughs> figure some way to crush right. crush everyone else. Um and that's recent, right? Um uh that those editors I'm okay with you saying, you know, th- well, just even the fact that, you know, I'm not sure that maybe newspapers still um, do endorsements, but I never, I very rarely hear about them. They're like, they're not that important anymore. I'm okay with them doing endorsements. That's it within a thoughtful way. And, uh, that that's great. Um, but to say I have a responsibility to the public in a certain way here, I just don't know. And I don't know how you can fix that because it is a business because right. you got to still get advertised. You still got to get eyeballs and readers. It becomes very difficult. And I don't, I don't envy any, but it's kind of one of those jobs like, it's a very prestigious job being editor of the New York Times, and I'm guessing it's probably top ten worst jobs in the world. Well, and I, I think there's a lot of 
um, similarities between journalists and ministers, for instance, today. Um, there was a time where being a minister meant uh, in your town you were held, even if people weren't members of your church, <clears throat> to be to have a certain amount of um, gravitas. Yeah, and uh, now we live where many will say, "Well, I'm spiritual, but not religious," and they they believe they're just going to have their unmediated ex- experience with whatever spirit <clears throat> they encounter. And so what the minister says, even after, um, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 years of, of training, often becomes just an opinion about as worthy as the opinion of someone who has Google. Um, and I don't mean that just for um, the Lutheran ministers. Um, I value what the rabbi says when it comes to Judaism, right? Because the rabbi has studied Judaism and speaks with a certain amount of authority. Um, But I think we live in a day and age where people um, would be comfortable correcting the rabbi because they have Google. Well, so also I think uh, with journalism, uh, we we see um, a similar thing that has developed. And I think that probably... Um, leads to some disillusionment in the uh, um, in the field, um, but it also uh, right. It there's a a loss of um, something that was there before that that isn't now, and and so I think that is interesting to keep in mind. Um, why don't Why don't we hit on a little bit? What are we at for time right now? Thirty six minutes. Okay, and we don't have to go way along with this, but. I would maybe like to hit briefly and get your take on the difference between editorial content and reporting. Um, If you read, and I feel like we've thrown out the post in the Times a lot, and people are going to say, oh, they're talking about legacy media, it's all liberal. Um, But if you read the Times or the Post, or I would say my personal favorite um, when it comes to to just reporting is the Wall Street Journal. And... Um, Wall Street Journal, I think, in my view, has the best editorials. But if you're reading them, they clearly mark when something is editorial content. Now it mm-hmm. gets tricky today when you do have articles that are basically paid advertisement. Mm-hmm. Um, so online, um, online, that can be sometimes tricky to distinguish. <clears throat> but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll toss it to you for your impression, and then I'll unpack a little bit why I want to talk about it. But, but when I say the difference between reporting and editorial content, what do you, what do you take that to mean, Mike? Well, the simple way would be, you know, uh, an object trying to be more objective and then say, or opinion, right? But I, I don't. That's maybe too simple. I think the the editorial is is could be objective in a lot of ways. It could just say I'm I'm giving you the ram the conclusion, the ramifications of what has been reported, right? Um, and I think there's a fine line between being editorial and just being opinionated right yeah i think that's fair yeah so like i'll i look at cnn every day because even though it's not you know it's it's the usa today of 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 network news you know but what it does is i say i look at cnn to see what because it's very fast like was there a volcano volcano explosion in whatever or whatever i it gives me those things and they'll put opinion you know and then this and which is probably true because it really is not very thoughtful opinion all the time, but it's not, they don't say editorial right. and that, that kind of, maybe they are being very honest about that. But when I think of an editorial, I'm thinking this is a thoughtful piece of somebody who is surveying what has been reported and yeah, there's going to be some opinion in there, but it's not necessarily going to be a, a agenda driven. Where opinion today, I think, is I'm, I'm not even going to even attempt to back up my argument with facts. Right. I'm not even going to attempt. It's more punditry, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's the, the, way, the way to say it. And, of course, it's, it's on, on both the, the left and the right and everything in between. So, yeah, so I think think of even with the cable network news um, channels. Now, there's plenty of opinion and bias during the day, too. But usually the daytime is more given to reporting, and then the evening is where you're going to get Rachel Maddow or Chris Cuomo or Sean Hannity <coughs> or Tucker Carlson. Um, <coughs> and I think I, I joked last episode, 
I had was online and I saw um, somebody chiding someone else about they need they they read or watch all the wrong news and they need to um, get better news sources and the person kind of nicely said okay what are some news sources and the person said Rush Limbaugh and, and Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. uh, and I just wanted to bang my head against the wall because Rush Limbaugh and Tucker Carlson while entertaining and while maybe sometimes making valuable points are pure punditry right they're, they're, right? Not, this not, is, they're not even pretending to be an editor from the Wall Street Journal in 1982. Right. And, and I think at least um, from what I've heard of Rush that he would admit that. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> I don't know enough about Tucker Carlson. Um, but uh, but that is editorial content and, and, and not even editorial content as Mike got at, but it is punditry, it is opinion. And that's not to mean you can't get something out of it, but that's very different than reporting, right? Um, <clears throat> so reporting would say there were or weren't erection, uh, election um, irregularities here or there, um, right? These are concerns that have been raised. Punditry then takes that and says it was a stolen election or everything was completely kosher and there should be no talk of anything more. And and then opinion is the other side's a bunch of fill in the They're still in the elections. Yeah. They're fascists or anarchists. And an editorial would be like, hey, we actually, hey, this. An old school editorial. Yeah, an old yeah. school editorial is going to say, Regardless of the facts on the ground, although let me let me play these out, and I don't think uh, here is where I lean. These kinds of attacks on uh, the the authenticity of election is bad for our democracy. Here's in the past, this has happened. Right. Whatever that would be a good editorial, right? right? And so <clears throat> many people, their exposure, and as Mike said too, like with CNN, among them, and I'll admit. When it comes to the three news networks, I jump between them if I'm watching, but at CNN I watch the most because it seems to at least be less, it leans left, it clearly leans left, but it's less overt Mm -hmm. than CNN or Fox in my view. I'm talking especially evening content, but um, the, uh, most people now, A, are getting, as Mike said, CNN moves quickly. So the volcano exploded in wherever. This many uh, um, worried dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they may or may not come come back to that. Like we were in the news here the other day um, about Mayfair, the kid shooting up Mayfair. And, um, you know, they didn't find the kid right away. They didn't find him until I think it was the next day or the day after mm-hmm. that. And so we were in the news, you know, all across the nation. My mom says, oh, did they find the shooter? You know, whatever. And um, then later, I, you know, I, I told her, and there wasn't near as much news reporting nope. in Michigan about what had happened here and, then. And the danger was that, you know, the first, it was white man in the 20s or 30s, right? Right. And so, you, and so you, if you're in Atlanta and you see that, you're like, well, I know the end of that story. Well, it turned out it was a group of people, or at least that's the latest. I don't even know. 14-year-old Hispanic, I believe. Right. Yeah. And, but it was, it was probably leaned towards more of uh, an old-school gang fight <laughs> yeah yep. rather than whatever but there was no there's no reason for cnn to follow up because there are there are there are 14 stories right because there's a volcano somewhere else right um so that that means that in this fast moving people are getting very little time and a protracted way to think through the information where in an, in an old school newspaper while it might be admittedly partisan in some ways um, it, it's going to, especially as it got, as they were more long form than, than not, um, they're going to present their case, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to um, engage with some some data or what's been chosen to, you get to see the math. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just doesn't happen as much. <clears throat> and then with the internet, where a very sad amount of people get their news through Twitter and Facebook, um, even then, uh not all those news sources are uh, created equal, and some of them are extremely partisan, um, but when one doesn't have a real relationship with them to realize it, because you're just reading this article from them, you haven't looked up where they're coming from otherwise, uh, one can get lulled into a sense of objectivity that's simply not there. Um, And then we get to the point where we are now where we're simply going to see the creation of new sources for um, more and more radicalized groups. Um, 
and I don't want to upset listeners, um, but we see this on the right being encouraged by our uh, sitting president, you know, who now doesn't like Fox News and is telling people to go to, what is it, OANN Mm -hmm. and um, One America News Network and to Newsmax, right? Well, if One America News Network and Newsmax wants to get those new consumers, those new customers, uh, they and they know Fox lost them by uh, calling Arizona for Biden, which Arizona did go to Biden, by the way. Um, the uh, they're going to tow a party a party line, um, and 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 this uh, also then gets exacerbated when you're getting your your uh, news through social media or through Google and things like that. The algorithms are have only made it easier to not have to encounter a thought from the other side. Whereas before, um, you know, all the best jobs I had in high school and college and some, you'd have like kind of like the hour where everyone just kind of sat around and got ready for the day and mm-hmm. drank coffee and, and, and shot the, uh, the breeze. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you'd have uh, one guy who's reading the free press and one guy who's reading the news. And then you would, you'd have a discussion, right? Um, or you, you got exposed to the other side of things a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy not to do that now. And I would say in the midst of a pandemic, it's very, 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 very easy um, so that people just wholesale will dismiss uh, things that do not fit into the narrative that they've heard, even though, I mean, this is the late night shows love doing this, right? They always have or man on the street mm-hmm. and you ask people stuff to make them look stupid. Um we're all kind of the man on the street at this point when it comes to a lot of important things. Yeah, I, I, a couple of things that I wanted to to, to maybe talk to about. Um, it's our fault. Right. I agree. I mean, we we can... And, and Bezos. <laughs> uh, in a capitalist society, Bezos and Murdoch or whatever, they're going with what we want and you add google facebook and all the rest and they will and if they're not going to strictly what they what we want they're at least making us want it yeah and to the next step is that they're they're going to manufacture manufacture a need and all that kind of stuff and uh we've let it happen and and i think I, I've been kind of tell a short story here let, let me finish and then okay I've, I've been critical of reporters a little bit like and and I think they should be criticized and uh, news anchors and editorial staffs and stuff like that and and I realize that they're stuck in this 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 market situation, but I can I can guarantee you that there are many reporters who have written stuff down. We know this have written stuff down and they don't choose their titles, right? They don't they don't even have editorial control always on on it's the like content. baseball now with um what do you call it the um. Analytics. Yeah, that's how titles are chosen. And so, um, by the time it gets through the editorial process, as as less rigorous as it might be <laughs> in 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 our current situation, um, it still gets changed to the point where, by the time it gets to you through your social media, um, th- that that. I I would imagine that a lot of reporters are shamed by right. what occurred, and the writing, writing gets hyperlinks put in it, um, <clears throat> which take you down different rabbit holes and away from engagement with the thing. And really, I would I would say the only people that really can change that, uh, despite our despite the idea that we are being controlled by, what's the acronym that Europe always makes, face. Mm. Facebook, yeah, um, Facebook, Google, uh, I know. GAFA or whatever. It's the acronym for it, for all the big, the big ones. Um, as much as difficult as it may be to think that we are independent when you kind of watch the social media, uh, or the social dilemma on Netflix or whatever, the only people that really can change this is maybe us stop clicking on stupid crap. Right. Um, and I would say, um, and produce and, 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 and go to places where you, uh, at least, even if you disagree with them, at least they build an argument yep. and that's going to be more than a two minute read sometimes. Right. 
I would agree. Yeah, the only other thing I would add is is that we pushed on our own data at some point too. Uh, you know, kind of fight push back against the algorithms. But um, yeah, my little story was so today before I came up here, I was uh, Maggie is well, my oldest is back. Uh, Madison's gonna be virtual now until <clears throat> final, so she's back home and she's looking for work and she's. I assume she came back a communist. No, she. Uh, this is the funny part of it is, so she. Uh, <laughs> She was talking about she's going to do, like, one of these gig jobs where, like, you – like a DoorDash or whatever <clears throat> type thing, apparently. And then I always give my wife and her a hard time because my wife's an accountant and um, Maggie wants to be an accountant or actual actuarial scientist, which is basically, you know, you do the math to help insurance companies make money off of people dying, you know. Right. There's – like – I would say to her, like, I hope you use your talents for good, but I'm not quite sure that even in that situation there is a possibility to do good, is there? Right. Yeah, and, and so, and I'm... Uh, there, There is. There is, hopefully. I'm not um, opposed to capitalism in the sense that I benefit from it in a lot of ways, but I um, I would say I have serious concerns with how um, finance capitalism exists today. Mm -hmm. And so I rib them a little bit often, you know, about being, you know, kind of the top hat type. <laughs> um, monopoly capitalist and so she was gonna she's talking about getting this you know job and so well you know congrats on entering the gig economy and undermining cap undermining uh or and bolstering capitalism because you know uh, i mean in many ways uber and lyft and that by not declaring people employees they will avoid <clears throat> a lot of stuff and uh maggie was like you order stuff on amazon all the time <laughs> and then i had to be like well but I do that for you guys. And then they like pointed out some of the stuff that I clearly ordered for myself. And uh, so, so like Mike's and saying, that's where you say, I never claim not to be a hypocrite. Right. And, uh, and, and so like Mike's saying, right. We, we, in many ways own this. Um, even those of us who have concern um, feed into it. Um, you know, the very people who say, you know, you can't trust cable news are the people who are going to jump onto new cable news channels. Um, and so, uh, I do think, uh, you know, subscribing to things as an answer. One of the reasons Spotify and iTunes have been so important for the music industry is if you want to have decent artists, they've got to be able to support themselves, and the industry has to be able to support itself. And Napster really put that at risk, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Spotify and iTunes kind of helped with that, and you, you see a, a kind of a recovery um, in that regard. And And we're not talking about, like, people making a gazillion dollars who don't need another no. dollar. We're talking about the whole sub-economy. Right. I'm talking about the person who writes for your local newspaper even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just, uh, if we're going to want good writing and if we're not going to want um, AI doing the writing for us, which it's already beginning, beginning to, to do, um, I, we're, we're really going to have to want to um, be willing to support Good writing, good reporting, um, and I would just I would echo with Mike that we need to be able to vary our vary our sources for things. One of the easiest steps is Google the author or the news source from which something you've just read came. Right, you're you're a little bit you wonder this seemed a little bit too partisan or too biased or or some of the claims in here I'm not sure about. Google those things, and right away often you can find uh, red flags. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this actually helps you think through your own opinion, too. You see the holes in your, maybe your argument, and uh, you, may, you may still come to the same conclusion, but you're going to have better arguments yourself. Right. Yeah. And this is um, being challenged on stuff is at the heart of learning. Um, it's what Socrates did. It's what Jesus did in the Gospels. Jesus, a lot of times, did not give people answers. What did he do? He told a parable um, or he asked them questions in return. Um, the, the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus doesn't say, you can't be saved by the law, believe in the gospel. Jesus asks questions. He leads him down a path to discovering that knowledge for himself. And so to be challenged on things you hold um, dear or true uh, is a service that someone is performing for you. Now, that doesn't mean that the corrective is turning on MSNBC at, um, for a little bit after you've watched Fox News. Um, I think the corrective is to in, engage in actual news as a, as a start. Um, and I'm not saying you have to get rid of the punditry, 
but to keep the punditry in its place. Um, it's the same as in Reformation history. Why did we say ad fontes, back to the sources, right? The, the medieval church had plenty of pundits, um, but why did we want get to the, get to the sources? Because while the pundits could be helpful, and Lutheranism produced its own pundits, and I would say today it is awash with them, um, but, uh, but the idea of trying to get to, and this is where the Internet is a tremendous blessing, you can really dig and find stuff if you if you try, <clears throat> um, but to understand the bubble in which we've kind of placed ourselves otherwise, um, you know, Twitter knows what you like and what will upset you, and it's going to feed you both. It's not going to feed you a lot of in between. Um, Amazon knows what books you buy, and it's going to suggest books that you will probably, hopefully, also buy. Um, and so, uh, once again, maybe I'll, I'll bring it into the church and then I'll let you close it out, Mike, but uh, part of the reason with all these things that I've written here that they're a concern to me is that they have found their way into the church. Um, they've colored how we, we do um, preaching and teaching. They um, infiltrate the conversations in the narthex. Um, they, I would say, limit our opportunities for evangelism, um, when people come and feel alienated. <clears throat> um, and they, in some ways, lead to a, a marginalization of the gospel because almost all these things are, are law things, right? They're all law, yeah. Um, and so I am convinced and I'm very concerned that Christians ought to be the most informed people out there because we want people to trust us. We want people to be able to come to us with questions and to engage with us. Um, and so I think we have a real duty in our day to be, it's why something like this college is so important, because pat answers and slogans does not grow the kingdom of God. It stunts its growth um, and in many ways uh, poisons it. And, uh, and so I think there's a, a duty for, and I don't mean just for Christian ministers, but for the average Christian, Christian to be very informed. Why? Because in many ways that's learning the language for talking to your neighbor. And God gave us two main commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Yeah, we can tell the, the vocabulary of somebody if they have been in a certain circle or not. Right. right? And I'll let you wrap up yeah. now. I've said what I was going to well, say. Well, thank you. I, I think one thing to, to really think about and dig into the history, and you, you gave me a couple articles on this, and I've done some research too, is some of the FCC regulations by uh, J.F. Kennedy and then Reagan and, and how that all worked out. And um, and I, I thought, you know, when someone says, don't bat, you're, you're bashing too much on like, you know, OANN or Newsmax or whatever. Well, the only reason that exists is because the legacy media was super liberal. Well, and there is, I mean, there's, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, right. there's stuff on the left that's... Yeah. But you keep going back, and you could say, well, why was there a liberal media? You know? I mean, you can... you can, you can, Which is very true. Because the conservatives were kicking everybody's butt on the airwaves. Why was that? Because this, because that. And so um, there, there's enough fault to go around. Uh, with that said, I mean, I will mention this quite a bit, like... I kind of want a liberal media, right? That means that they're going to question things. And quite frankly, I don't, I'm not going to expect that. You certainly want, you certainly want a liberal media in the sense of liberal versus illiberal. Right. And I, and I, um, I'm not going to get freaked out when, um, the Chicago Tribune doesn't, um, isn't a confessional Lutheran you know, takes a confessional Lutheran stance on whatever. I, why, why was I expecting that? Right. You know, so those are, those are two different realms. Um, so that's something to think about, but then I wanted to end, end on the end on this is what I had done I, for a while there. When I first got out in the parish, I started subscribing to like first things, Logia Lutheran forum, economist, I got the USA Day today because I could actually get that in my small town and all, all of these other things. And then I never read it. And then I'm like, you know, I'm wasting a lot of money. So I, so now what I'm doing is, and I, maybe this is a suggestion to people is 
I'll mix it up a little bit. You know, I'm, I don't have the time and it's a waste of money to have subscriptions to everything. And so for a long time, I did the economist right now. I'm on Harper's Atlantic, New York times. I'm getting, I like Atlantic. We both like it because it's long form. It's my favorite. They're kind of annoying me late, lately. It hasn't been as good and, the last and, few years. And I'm not a, you. You, I could see you like in Harper's more than me, just because of, of what they write about. Um, but I, um, I plan in the future to say, you know what? I'm going to drop. I'm going to drop this for a while, and I am going to pick up. Go maybe go back to the Economist, or. Um, national review I'll go yeah all of those and so um, because you also get to know some of the authors right and the and the and the reporters and know where they're coming from and you'll see them at different places they'll go write a book or you can see their biases or you can appreciate where they've come from you know I mean even and and there are there's just enough style left in reporting <laughs> that you may like that writer versus another writer. And so if you are serious about doing this, I mean, maybe, maybe you get two subscriptions and you get a leading newspaper. I mean, heck you could go get the, you know, the, um, uh, the, the Miami Herald is it the Herald, I think. Yeah. Or the Dallas morning news or one of those, legacy ones right i and really like just, wall street journal if you're trying and, to get back into a regular yeah, newspaper and, and just and take that another one and do it for a year and then mix it up a little bit i think that's a way instead of you can't none of us can be the guy the old school guy from 19 you know 66 who the politician who had every major newspaper on his desk you know and before right. lunch just comb through everything you just i would say along those lines so if you have a smartphone or a computer um, you can get the AP news and the Reuters feed. You can get apps for that. And that's basically what half the time papers are using mm -hmm. and then making their own um, is a good way to get free content too. And I'm not, I'm definitely not opposed to saying, Hey, go, go see an article in some fringe, whatever I have. I'm not going to mention them one that I still look at. That's probably a little bit fringy. Um, but I, I like to look at that once a week just to see yeah you know just to see well i think we all have ours that we get you know delights yeah, out of. there's nothing wrong with that you know but i but the more i spread out and that means jumping from paper to paper and knowing that we can't have the time or the money to get every newspaper subscription it, over time you see the holes in the arguments even from people who are quote unquote on your side on an issue Right. I mean, there are plenty of pro-life is a dumb example, but there's plenty of whatever where I go, man, I really want you to write better argument for my <laughs> right. And why do I know that? Because because I read more. Right. I know I know the opposition. Right. You know, and and so, I, I think you just put your finger on a, a big thing there. There is a lot of times where you read or you hear stuff. That is trying to defend or advance a position you actually hold. <clears throat> and you should be rightly frustrated that the case is actually so much stronger and this is just lazy <clears throat> work and we should want to demand better. Um, and, and I mean, there are all sorts of uh, places where that happens and you just go, <clears throat> you've just reduced this to a slogan that someone can easily dismiss. There is a legitimate case mm -hmm. to make. But the way our media is set up today, and especially with the, we'll get into next time with sound bites. It's hard. You don't see that as much. It's hard. So, yeah. Uh, hey, I'm glad we live in a country where at least we can have this conversation. Yeah. Right? We were made for freedom, weren't we? Yeah. You know what? I, I got a new laptop sticker. You know what it is? What is it? It's the First uh, First Amendment. Yeah. It's my favorite one. I know people like the second one, the pew, 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 pew. Yeah. But, uh. <clears throat> The first one's got oh, speech, press, religion, yeah. all in there. It's a good um, one. We're, we're lucky to have that. We were talking about that in Christ and Culture the other day. Like, a lot of countries we assume have it, yeah. but even European countries or Canada, they yeah. don't have it like we have it. Like, right. <clears throat> we, we have it. We have it hardcore. Which is an interesting uh, discussion. You know, what, what, what does free speech mean in Egypt? And in Cairo, Paris, and New York City, they all use the same words. Yeah but they mean different things. And I mean, you can have in America, the ACLU really uh, cut its teeth by defending the Klan 
marching through, I believe it was a Jewish neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And people today think ACL, ACLU, way liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, why would they defend the Klan marching through a Jewish neighborhood? Because mm-hmm. it's free speech. Mm-hmm. What does that also allow you to do? To yell at them, hey, you inbred hillbillies. <laughs> you know, go right. back to wherever um, it... Uh, that's another... We, we should. Do we have any ACLU experts on campus here? How that has the history of the ACLU. Yeah, Jason and, might be someone we could ask. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but so, that, that'll tie in a little bit next time with the information when I want us to talk a lot about free speech as well and what it's there for. We hope you'll come back. Until then, live out your freedom. Let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down, get with my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. One more round won't get me down. I don't care.